Did you know that within our bones and deeper, our atoms were plucked from the ether, were fucked up and proud, were skinny and round, bloated and housebound, on roller coasters, throwing catwalk poses, we're all stardust, but nobody knows it. We're all carbon-based, but our atoms can be replaced by the atoms of those already laid to rest. Did you know that technically at least one atom within me could be Shakespearean genes? Thou dost not protest that lasting quest into the genes that we hold close to our chest. Hearts are screaming out of our heads, but could a bit of you already be dead? So, Lowell's, Lowell Perkin is a poet and barber, originally from Knowsley, yep. Liverpool, but now residing in Manchester. That's she me. writes passionately about mental health, self-love, PTSD and trauma. Her words have been featured widely, not only in print, but in music and video too. She founded the monthly open mic, Mouth, in 2020, running from the Rose and the Monkey in Manchester's northern quarter. It exists to provide a platform to both emerging and established performers under one headline. The event being free for all to attend and perform at. Lowell's work is radical, political, vulnerable and raw. She champions marginalised voices and is an advocate for those shoved to the edges of society. Her work raises questions about how society handles trauma survivors and treats those with PTSD. It explores the darker side of survival but also clings to the light that is brought by self-belief and community. So welcome to the show. Hi, you all right? Thanks for having me. Yeah. we And actually, funny enough, we found your collection. Oh! And it's a great collection, nice no. quality. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so you you're the author of Human. We didn't, it, it's not in the bio, but yeah. that's where it's written. <laughs> yeah. When did it come Ju- out? Um, June, wait, July this year. 2021 2022 yeah Sorry. it's 2022 this year yeah <laughs> we, we found Travel. it actually we, we found it by chance in our local uh what do you call that queer bookshop mm. yeah in, in, Bright- <laughs> in brighton yeah yeah have you yeah. been there before um they i mess i gave them a message and that day my publisher we were we'd just been um performing Camden Fringe so Bent Key the publishers that I'm under sometimes takes like certain groups of the poets that she thinks complement each other's work quite well and we'll take a team of us down to different fringe festivals so we've just done Camden Fringe and she was then traveling down to Brighton and we were going home so she went after I'd messaged them and they they were interested she took a copy of my book down, a copy of some other queer poets that we've, because we've, we've quite a roster of queer poets as Benke Publishing, and um, they reordered my book in, and I was so happy about that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. Awesome. What, so tell us a little bit what the scene in Manchester is like. Um, the scene in Manchester is massively supportive, and it's very varied. Um off the top of my head, I'd say there's probably about 15 or more spoken word events that are being run 15? from Manchester. Wow. At least. Yeah, there's a lot, but they've all got something different about each other. About mm. So, for instance, you've got an event called Switchway Society that's run um, from the Pier Hat in Northern Quarter in Manchester. That event each person gets the same amount of time. However, each person before their slot is allocated another one of the performing poets' pieces and we read it out in our voice. So you get nice. to hear your own stuff read back to you. Oh, I love that. And, yeah. You know, and get to see how... So each each event's got its own sort of thing going on. We do that sometimes on the show. We read the poet's poem and then they hear mm-hmm. it from our voices. Oh, right. Amazing. Yeah. Which played similar. And what's special yeah. about your your poetry then? Uh, your event mouth. Mouth. I've put <laughs> my, I've put mouth on hold for a little bit at the moment because I also host and sort of help with um, another event that was being run on the same street as well, 
um, called Pull Up and Speak. It's in a bar called, well, it's in a restaurant and bar called Pull Up. And um, Sharon, who runs that event, is amazing. She's just an amazing person. Um, and it's it was much different and it brought a lot more people in because of the different things that we can do. So we'll always sell somebody's artwork behind the poet while they're performing. Um, for instance, and it brings a lot of people in. Um, so I've put mouth on hold for a little bit. Something had to give. I was doing a lot at the time, so mouth <laughs> had to go on hold. Yeah, we know the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just on hold, though. It might it'll it might come back with something a bit bit of a new twist to it. We'll see. And when did you start it originally? Mouth. The first mouth event was like a couple of weeks before lockdown one in March 2020. Um, And then obviously we went into lockdown and I felt quite awkward about, I didn't want to have to try and navigate COVID rules when we were all in tables of six and you could only have like 100 people per venue and things like that. Um, I'd have ended up doing something wrong and getting in trouble by accident. So I decided to just keep it on hold um, and then I brought it back because I, I was offered the venue, the Rose and Monkey Hotel. And it was really great, don't get me wrong, but I just, I needed to free up some time for myself. And mouth was the thing that went. It's amazing that you managed to keep it on after COVID because I feel like mm-hmm. many events just stopped when COVID. Yeah, there's a know. before and after. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I don't know, cause because, because in Manchester we have quite a few sort of outdoor like places with a big outdoor space to use like there's a pub in in manchester called old abbey tap house and it's got a massive outdoor space so we could be outdoors on tables of six and i feel like that married really well for spoken words so it just ended up snowballing in manchester it's just grown and grown that's great uh so just to introduce you a little bit more, so you said you were saying you originally uh, were born in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Is that right? yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what brought you to Manchester then? Um, <laughs> barbers are paid a lot more fairly in Manchester. So once I found that out, and I just made the switch. It's only one city over. It's not too far. I've got family here and stuff. Um, the spoken word stuff came a lot later. I was I was always writing, but yeah, the spoken word stuff came a lot later. That was why I yeah. initially moved. Do you think you became a spoken word artist because of the Manchester scene? No, no, not at all. Well, kind of. Um, I've been writing since I was like twenty-one years of age. I'm thirty-three now. Um, so I've been writing for a long time, but. I did get my first opportunity to actually get on the stage in Manchester. So, kind of, kind of not. Yeah, would you say you're more of a performance poet or more of a writer poet? Um, Both. I think I, I bring a lot of energy to the stage. I'm not, I don't mince my words. I've got like a punchy attitude when it comes to performing. But equally so. Like if you if you look in fuming, there's certain poems that are not for the stage. There's certain poems that I write that are for the page, for reading off the page, and they're equally as beautiful and strong and poignant. But I do, I do write certain things in regards to I'm going to perform this one. So yeah. Do you want to read us a poem that is meant for the page? Because maybe the people who know you they haven't heard it before. Okay. Let me have a look for something. One second. Um, find you one. So in lockdown, in in lockdown one, because I feel like we had a trilogy of lockdowns. Um. Uh, another spoken word artist from the Manchester scene called Cookie Love did quite a few um, writing prompts and they they found words that 
aren't necessarily used commonly like these days um, and they're interesting words so this one she, uh, they gave us defenestrate let me de- <laughs> yeah. sorry I was reading this earlier it's great yeah, sorry. <laughs> let me demonstrate how to defenestrate roll it up in a ball and throw it away fenestrate your b- blindfold transparency is good for the soul no filter and words like fool's gold dripping from your tongue with truths to be told. Negativity will drift away. Degenerates will behave, kettled into their new grave. Defenestrate your old ways straight out of the double glazed. (laughs) I like the use of kettled there. Kettled into their new grave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I did... Because when I was reading this earlier, I was like, uh, defenestrate. And in the first couple of lines, I was like, oh, when's she going to get to the window? You know? <laughs> and it's it's yeah. clearly, like, you leave it right until the end to, like, make any mention of windows, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. There's, there's quite a few very smaller poems in my book. And I feel like all of them are from them writing prompts from Cookie Love in lockdown yeah, one. That's, in- that's interesting, though. That seems really like a punchy poem though i could imagine you doing that live right um it's a bit it's a bit short for some of my live stuff my live stuff's quite fast kind of fast not so not to the point where you can't really tell what i'm trying to say um but they sort of have to be longer to become like a piece yeah it's the sort of time that i want it to be I noticed that with some of the prompts work, right? It's like you mm. get the prompts and you kind of you kind of run out of juice a little bit quicker. Yeah, um, I, I don't... I'm one of these poets. I've got... I think I've got a strange writing technique. So I don't... Tell sit, us about it. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't sit down. Some poets, they have to sit down in front of a typewriter. I've got a friend that sits and writes with a typewriter... Some people sit down to a laptop. Some people sit down with a notepad and pen or whatever, the notes in your phone, and they know that they're going to write something. They're like, right, I'm going to write a poem, and it's going to be about this. Okay. And they'll plan it out and stuff, and they'll write a poem. I can be walking down the street, and I'll see something that sparks some inspiration, and my inner monologue voice will hear it in my spoken word voice, and I'll know that it's a sentence for a start of a poem. By the time I've written that down in the notes on my phone and typed it, I've thought of the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And in five minutes or so, I've got the whole poem. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, I don't redraft. Yeah. It's all, that's it's that's similar to how I write poetry as well. Mm-hmm. It's very spontaneous. And that's mm-hmm. why I write a lot on my phone. I like yeah. I like your poem, uh, Negativity, Creativity. Yeah. Which is about what you write about do you want to read us that one yeah i mean at first my poetry was very much a um an outlet because i was quite an angry person i went through some stuff it was pretty horrific i I was struggling to cope with it mentally and writing helped me but it it helped me channel my anger so that's why the book's called fuming (laughs) because I'm usually angry, but um, because poetry has helped me calm that part of myself, a lot of more positive stuff is coming out of me recently. Mm. So So this poem is not true anymore then? It is, because if if something happens in my life that angers me, um, I will still use poetry to get it out. So it still is, like it's still the way that I'm channeling that part of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear it. If you want what, to negativity, creativity? Yeah. Okay. One second. Let me find it. This is, this is your pick, Eloise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One second. 
I've been asked why I write so negatively. Positivity doesn't really grip me quite the same way as negativity. I don't need an outlet when things are positively fucking lit for me. The things that make me smile and laugh don't inspire me to write. The things that make me fall and bounce back are the things that come to light. The things that I've overthrown that make my backbone as good as gold and my attitude to all my foes burn bright. That's why I write what I write. Because when I'm hurt, my feeling is in my writing and my heart sings when I release it. When I'm hurt, my words burn through the pen and you can feel it. I can't keep my keep my brain on the game when I'm trying to write about a good day. So my negative poems are here to stay. Until there's nothing negative left to write anyway. Until I've got off my chest everything that I've got to say. To every single little shitbag that hurt me back in the day. Because words last forever and you were never here to stay. Hmm. I love that ending, you were never here to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm. And a lot of your poems seem to be about, you know, people in the past. That you yeah. Had. Yeah. Is it how you first uh, wrote poetry about, like, your anger towards people who hurt you in the past? Um, no. What I first wrote poetry about when I was younger, um, the first time I ever wrote poetry and I thought, oh, that's interesting, I'm good at that, was, I was 21 and I was sat in a cafe and there's a home, on Bold Street in Liverpool, there always was a homeless man on the the bottom end of Bold Street with a dog and he'd play acoustic guitar for change and everybody was ignoring him and I was finishing my coffee and everyone was ignoring him. And all he wanted to do was try and keep his dog warm. And he kept, like, stopping to play guitar to put this coat round his dog a little bit. And I wrote a poem about it, and then I went out. and So that's what that's what sparked it. And then I couldn't stop. So I've still got the notebook here in, in the room. Um, but I couldn't stop jotting it down. And over time, it, it's come out of me when I've really needed it. And now that I've realised that there's a skill there for spoken word and I enjoy doing spoken word, it sort of just keeps happening. Mm. Did you re- read it out to him, to the homeless person? <laughs> no, 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 I kept, it, <laughs> I kept that to myself. Um, yeah. Mm. The, uh, so I saw, um, I came across like an article about you kind of being... Uh, in one of the Manchester online newspapers and they were talking about how you managed to balance this kind of uh, barber life with your spoken word poetry life and you know how you you don't have to make poetry your whole you know uh, living making money from etc I feel feel like you got a lot of thoughts on this subject you seem like a proud barber I would (laughs) I would really love I would absolutely love uh, to be able to afford any anything out of how I live on my poetry, I would absolutely adore that. But unfortunately, as it's widely known, poetry is one of the lesser paying careers that you could possibly mm. choose. I do that for a, a passion. You know, like I've got my book and it sells well, don't get me wrong. But I have, I unfortunately, well, not even unfortunately, I absolutely love my job. I love my full-time job, but I've been a barber for 14 years, and that will not be that will not be stopping. I've got a passion yeah. for both things equally. I, I really love my job. I love that I am a female in a male-dominated industry, and and that I'm good at it because I've got a, a very creative mind. Before barbering, I did art and design A level. Poetry is just it's been my therapy, and I'm very happy. To to be able to perform it to people and I'm very happy for it to be in written form now and for people to be able to enjoy it written down but it isn't it isn't my 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 paying full-blown like it's not the thing that pays the bills do you know what I mean yeah yeah so what keeps you going writing poetry and performing it you know when it becomes a pain in the ass when it becomes like <laughs> when you get a little bit tired with it I don't get tired with it I don't yeah. get tired of it. 
Um, October and November, I've had like quite a tough couple of months where I've had a lot of actual like real life stuff to deal with. I've been moving house, for instance, um, but it's been quite tricky. And so I've put gigging on hold for a bit, except for the gig that I host um, with Pull Up, as I mentioned earlier, Pull Up and Speak. So I've sort of given myself a little break and I'll be going into it again with a bang in the new year. I'm going to, you know, use this as a as an excuse to um, memorise some of my other poetry that I've not memorised yet because I've been too busy and whatever. Because um, I've got some really some new pieces that I'm quite happy with that I've not I've not memorised, for instance. So yeah. Yeah. So 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 it's a big deal with you with performing is to like you know have the poem memorised so that you can perform it without. It's, it's easier for me to do that because I feel like it. It's not necessary to do that, but when I do memorise something, I find that I really engage with the audience a lot more and when I'm reading off my phone because I am dyslexic and I'm reading off the phone sometimes I will miss a word so there's both poems that I've just done for yourselves today the defenestrate one and the negativity positivity um I don't know them off the top of my head so I've read them off my book and twice I made a mistake and fumbled over a word whereas if I if I memorize it I almost go into this quite serene zone and it's just and I can just engage with the audience a lot better. Hmm. Sorry, we didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable choosing these poems. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I'm glad for people to sort of know what is in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's quite... terrible. I might just trip over the odd word. <laughs> That's all. You say in the preface that as a dyslexic woman you've been really proud to have this uh project collection published oh yeah like i've had i've had um i've had feedback to say that 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 this might uh, i don't know if i'm allowed to even mention this i don't think it it might not happen but um my publisher has actually contacted the school board about maybe getting a couple of my poems on there that are in the book and even somebody thinking that my work is good enough to talk to a school board about is massive to me because there'd be certain teachers that never saw a future for me in regards to anything like having a book published. And if they end up teaching my stuff, I'd be very, very happy with myself. <laughs> but it, I've not asked whether or not it's even gone through or whether they've said anything because just the thought that someone has thought it's good enough for that. Hmm. It makes like the little girl inside of me very proud. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, there's a lot of reasons that I do what I do. Yeah, definitely. And your poetry, I feel, is also like um, hopeful and encouraging for other people. Mm-hmm. Like you write it for other people as well. Like your poem, yeah. um, body positivity. Yeah, um, yeah, body positivity. I think you know. Certain things like body positivity and certain poems where I write about how I cope with, like, PTSD. It's been... I've I've never actually had a day of therapy, and I'm not condoning that. Like, if you can go and get therapy, get therapy, right? If you need it. Um, But I've I've just never had the luxury of getting therapy. I didn't realise what I had was PTSD until quite late. Um, But I'd already sort of figured out a few things that really helped me. So it's just sort of like if there's anyone in the the same sort of boat as me that just didn't realise that what they were coping with was PTSD and are still on a waiting list for a therapist, I've got some tricks in the book (laughs) that I've figured out and it should help. And did you get any feedback from your book? I've got a lot of feedback from my book, yeah. It's gone down really well. I've Like, a lot of feedback. Like, I've had people write me whole lists of songs that they think would go with each poem. Like, listen mm. to this, I feel like it's got the same sort of feeling as this poem. And I just, like, all sorts of stuff. But, like, the main feedback that I enjoy is my friends. Seeing that my friends are proud of me 
after reading it is that's my, that's the best feedback that I can possibly get. It's incredible. It's it's amazing you can pass on such like you know wisdom and good advice and your feelings and your experiences and it be kind of clever and funny and witty and you know rhyme at the same time as well. Yeah. <laughs> Manage to do all these things at the same time. And I, think I think that's a real strength of yours. Yeah. I think that is what my coping mechanism has been, and so it just ended up spilling into my poetry. I think I think humour and then yeah. being angry, being funny, and be, and, and serious all at the same time is a coping mechanism. And then I've just rhymed with it. <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Your, your dark uh, kind of sardonic humour really comes through in the poems as well, even the lighter-hearted ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. That's me. How, how important? How important is your? Um, how important is performing it in your own? you know, northern dialect, you know, compared to... Because I'm just imagining, like, you know, if I read one of these poems out, it just, it takes some of the... It takes away some um, some of the identity from it, right? It depends. Sometimes I use certain slang words, or I suppose, but at the same time, I find that certain poetry rhyme... Like, different accents can rhyme different things. It's It's mm. unusual. So I've got a... A housemate and he's from Birmingham and he writes like he raps on music right and the other day he managed I don't know how he did it it is still blown my mind to this day but he managed to rhyme the words conquer like a conquer off a tree and forehead <laughs> and it made yeah. no sense how do you do that I, I do think maybe maybe doing it in my accent helps it out a bit but hopefully, anyone can anyone can read it with their own little inner monologue voice without maybe knowing how I sound and still enjoy the poems. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because um, I, re- I read it my, with my, my accent's a big mixture anyway. It's half Scouse and half Manchester, so it's it's hard to imitate anyway. Yeah, to me it was very a very different experience to hear a poem from you, a piece from you on Instagram. And then mm. to read it after with my own voice, it was yeah. almost a different, a different poem. Yeah, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, language can do that. It's really, mm-hmm. it's so creative. Yeah. Is there um so, is there a poem that you want to read that you we asked you to like select a couple of poems? Is there, yeah. Is um, one, one second, let me check. My battery, my battery's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I'd like to perform Kitten Teeth for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of background and a trigger warning. So trigger warning, this is about um, experiencing sexual abuse as a child. And then uh, 20 years later, when I was 28 years of age, I took this person to court because uh, I found out they were working around children and I lost. And that was really hard. I got no help after that. And then I realised that without all these dark and nasty, sometimes nasty turns that my life has taken, I wouldn't be the exact version of me that I am today. And I really like who I am. So that that alone is sort of how I've managed to get through the anger of what I've been, I've been through. Um, yeah, so this is Kitten Teeth. You've got kitten teeth, and you are nibbling, trying to whittle into what I hold beneath, but you have only got kitten teeth. Beneath my skin is galaxies, chocolate waves embody me, scars are only paper thin upon the surface, but within, they're as thick as bathroom porcelain. And mark me for every sin that has been imparted upon me. PTSD, what makes me me and makes me tick is different. Or is it? Have we not all grown up with some kind of trauma as a kid that colours us imperfect but perfectly indifferent? I am purple and green, northern light bouncing off my insides as my inner child covers her eyes and hides. She still 
hides within and pretends to sleep while monsters cover her in handprint. Show me on the dolly where he left an imprint. Not guilty, lack of evidence. I am the centre of humbled mints. I am chocolate lines and beach footprints. I am goosebumps books and HMV finds. I am red vines and doll's hair intertwined. I am honeydew melons and tonic wines. I am beautiful despite my inner child's demise and that is my cloud's silver line. That's powerful. Thank you. Just letting it sink in. (laughs) I think a real strength of yours is all the images that you use. Mm. Uh, to describe something like you have whole poems that are list of images and yeah it's I they're think, so um, unique i think i i guess because i've not been diagnosed i feel like i might be undiagnosed like female adhd and so i find it quite easy to lose track and and become distracted if something doesn't throw images at me and make me think about things and go, oh, that was interesting. That rhyming scheme was interesting there. Oh, that was it. So I've purposefully done that so that people don't switch off when I'm <laughs> performing a poem. So you go, oh, that was new. Mm. And that, that's the reason that my poetry does that because, mm. yeah, I don't want people to get distracted. I want you to understand and feel the whole piece. Yeah. Being so open about your trauma and especially the details of mm-hmm. the trauma events and being public about it. Do you feel, do you consider yourself an activist in some sort or? I wouldn't consider myself an activist. Um, I think, I think I'm just unafraid to talk about what's gone on because I've, I've had to sort of deal with it head on myself for a long time. Um, and I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there that aren't as comfortable admitting what's happened to them. Some people might still be internalising trauma that happened when they were a kid because they, cause it's happened by a family member and they don't want to tell the family, they don't want to cause an uproar. But it, it's never your fault that something like that has happened to you. So I feel like being outspoken about what I've gone through might help somebody that's quiet, my age, slightly younger than my age, older than me, might talk about it. And talking about it is literally the first step in healing what the hell has just gone on, like what what happened in your past, whatever it may be. And I feel like I'm, I'm used to talking about it, so I might as well sort of help some people on their journey. And if that if that happens, it happens. If it doesn't, at least it normalises people feeling a, a rage against it and being okay to speak out against this sort of behaviour. Did you talk about it first to people and then wrote poems about it, or was what poems a the first way of expressing some of your trauma? Um, I don't really know. I've got a lot of poems about it. And I don't know which order I wrote them in, to be honest. Um, I've got a lot of different complex trauma that's gone on in my life. Uh, So I've got different poems about different things that were really hard that I've gone through. Things about my sexual abuse, there's there's certain poems that reference it, growing up references it in the book. But it's it's always very sort of like, I don't, use the harsh reality like the words of what actually happened to me in the, in them I'll I'll portray an image to you of something hurt me when I was a child and that's the trauma that I've come through but look at how I've grown from that you know that's sort of the way that I've put it across is there another poem would you like to read us um yes I would like to read out Magic. Um, Magic was a writing prompt from Shaq 
in um, in Birmingham, Wolverhampton, and he's got a uh, a company called Spoken Lyric, and they do events, and they also get funding together, and they'll film like uh, a number of spoken word artists, and it gets us like really good quality footage for free. Oh, cool! And he, he's, so he's just did... he's just go on, sorry. Is that online then? Mm-hmm. Is that available yeah, spoke, for people spoke, to check out? Yeah, Spoken Lyric, they've got a um, a YouTube channel and they've got Instagram and Twitter, I believe, and TikTok. And there's loads of little clips of all the different poets. Like, the, the yeah. lots, lots. They're still only, like, just starting in the season, but my episode is out there with my interview in the middle. Um, Magic was a, a prompt that he gave out for, for people to write a poem on a while back, and I used it as part of that footage magic expression is massive creating magic for the masses bringing hope to those in lower classes i'm dyslexic but as a poet i'm active spoken word in front of mics turning classic tragic into passive laughing i'll be damned if i don't inspire hope hopeless once but now i found my role rolling round words sat on my throne Words like thorns, I'm torn and forlorn, but as a sparkle will still make you marvel. I'm reborn, like Stan Lee's heroes, I'm on form. Hands on hips, spittle on my lips, and I'm sworn into this cause. It's my therapy, it's making me a different human being. Words are what my addiction needed, I'm fiending, feeding off the appreciation of my peers, and I'm breathing. Magic isn't in ones and witches. It starts and my pen hits this paper, I'm a wizard. Feel the coldness of my words like a blizzard. I picked up this big tip and I fixed it. Like a therapist with big tits, it soothed it. My words blitz bits like an epileptic fit, I'm a whiz kid. We go onwards and upwards. My expression is massive, kidders. And I can be a bastard with it. I'm married to the art. I'm an artist in it. I'll paint an image on your brain like a canvas picture. And there's a little bit of magic for you. Hmm. Wow. That's really impressive. That's really you at the top of your powers there. Yeah. <laughs> like to say, yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> I just love I how you I express yourself, you know. So many like yeah. clever rhymes and all the alliterations. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I saw some footage of you like performing in, I think it was like a town centre or something like that as well. And you were, you were doing some... Uh, you were doing a piece to camera, you know. Do you do that often? Do you do like a in a like town performance? Oh, am I under what looks like a big Tiffany lamp? Yeah, yeah. Um, what it is, I went past that thing like a million times on the tram, and I saw this Tiffany lamp, and I was like, I really want to do a poem under that. Nice. And then, and then, and then, um, <laughs> I'd gone, I'd gone to London to help my friend with some stuff. She was uh, working a premiere down there, so I was helping giving out gift bags and doing whatever I could for her. And on the way back, when we were emptying the car out of the car park, the lift opened and it happened to just be exactly at the Tiffany lamp. And I was like, record this poem really quick and just sat down and just made a record a poem, one take. And then we had to carry on loading stuff into this Uber to get it home after this big dip in London. I think that was like the first thing I saw of yours, like ever. (laughs) Yeah, no. I usually, I don't usually do things with that much background noise on them, but I just thought, right, come on, Mm. quick. uh, What do I know off the top of my head? Right, we'll do atoms. I'll sit under this lamp and you can record me. (laughs) I need to watch that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's on on my Instagram, on on the videos. So do you you ever get the chance to, you know, perform in London or, you know, further south than than Birmingham? I did Camden Fringe Festival in May. Was it May or was it June? How far in advance did you have to prepare for that? You have to Um, register and all that, don't you? Yeah, so my publisher took us. She took us as like a team. Uh, But it was booked in quite a while before, before the Fringe, but... Yeah, six of us from my publisher went down to Camden. We performed at Camden Fringe. We had our own show there. And then I've also performed Brighton Fringe Festival. That was in the April, I believe. Uh, so we came down to Brighton Fringe and we did a we did our own show there in a in a pub. 
that was up yeah, like a well, real this year. Yeah. yeah, 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 this year. Yeah, we were there. Um, I mean, we wouldn't have seen you, but we were there. <laughs> we weren't at the main fringe bit. We were, we were at like a, a sort of offshoot fringe event in this yeah. this bar. And I can't remember the name of the bar. It was up a really steep hill. <laughs> That's all I remember. It was like up this really steep bit. Um, and it was good. I enjoyed myself. We did two nights in Brighton. We did one one night in Camden. Camden and then I've been um, invited down to Moetry soon as well. Um, so that's exciting. What's what's that Moetry? Moetry, yeah, that's in London. They also what, do uh, one up in Manchester. Hmm? What's the date on that that you're performing? I don't know when I'm performing yet. I've literally just right. I'm in so I'm on I'm on speaking. Speaking okay. with the guy about coming down to Moultrie. Nice. So you can mm-hmm. you can update us on Instagram about that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone will know about it when I'm going down there. Definitely. Yeah, lovely. And what was the process for you to get yourself published? Published. Um, a spoken word artist that I'd already heard of on the scene called Rebecca Kenny. Um, she was in a rather bad car accident and when she came home from hospital she found her key that had been in her pocket during the accident she broke a lot of bones she broke like bones in her neck her spine sternum all these things she was in recovery for a while when she saw the bent key she decided to she had a bit of a meltdown and everything she decided to open up a publishing company and name it after that key so that she took that piece of trauma and made it something positive. Mm. Um, but I just believed in it. I believed in the ethos of the company and I got in touch and very early on in its in its sort of start-up and I was like, I'd, I'd love to put out some poetry with you. Can we meet up and have a meeting? We had a meeting about it. You know, I got my contracts, I signed my contracts and then... I went through all, like, I've got a lot of work. Like, my Google Drive goes on for days. (laughs) So I just went through and found what I thought would work together as a collection and sent them to Rebecca. Mm. And the rest is history. So you didn't know her in person then? It was, you heard about her? Yeah, I knew her in person. Oh, did you? Yeah. And what's, do you have any narrative line in your collection? How was it put together? Um, I put this book together as if it, because it's my first collection, it's just a complete mixture of who I am as a person, you know, like there's, I've explained where my name comes from, from in, I explain where my name comes from in there, I explain about my auntie Laura, thank you very much, um, you know, I show the love that I've got for my mother in there, but I also then show intimate love that I've had with somebody in there. And then I also show hurt and anger and pain and trauma. But then I also show hope and some funny stuff and some stuff that's just clever and wordy. And it's just sort of me wrapped up in a load of pages. That's, that's, um, Am I right in thinking that's one maybe that you wouldn't perform live? It's more of a written piece. What? Which one? Sorry. Uh, law. Oh yeah, I can rep- I can do anti law. Let me just get it. Yeah. Shall we finish but, the uh, interview I mean, on that after? Perf- oh. Yeah. It's a nice uh, note to go out on. Lol is not originally my name. It was yours. Our name bonded us both to our cause. Lollipops and blancmange for our last course. When people call me lol now, my heart soars because the compliment is all yours. I'm so proud to have been your niece and I've been loved by beauty personified. You were my best friend until that fateful night that you died and now our name is only mine. Sometimes that makes me feel empty inside. But then I remember what an honour it is to carry this light. I try and I've tried to make you proud. Life circling like the roundabout that you used to spin around. Sometimes I end up in a depressive cloud, but you taught me that life only gets one chance, so make the most of it or bounce. 
I stand proud of my name, even though now it means laugh out loud, because I'm named after one of the best and strongest women that was ever around. We, ro- we would rollerblade around the park, feed the ducks and fight the light amongst the dark. We would talk for hours about anything, pull silly faces and light a spark in our hearts. She would read to me until I slept, push me on swings, taught me how to swim and never get stressed. She'd make me outfits and once I'd got dressed we would fashion show our Sunday best and go for an adventure feeling fucking perfect. My auntie Law was wonderful, blonde curly hair and her heart was full. A smile so bright she could blind a raging bull and personality that could bring feeling to the numb. I've missed her every single day that she's been gone. It's mortifying to know she's not seen me grow. I wonder if I'd be proud if she'd be proud of who I am now or would I leave a bad taste in her mouth? I've had more years without you now than I got to share with you, and somehow it still hurts the same than when your light went out. I will carry your name with me and stand proud as it shouted out. I will keep the name Lorraine until the stars go out. And never, I've never been proud of out, but I'm proud that you are my aunt. Law taught me how to swim, how to ride a bike, how to sew and how to sing, how to throw cash into the wind and how to not let negativity in. She'd let me sketch and let me stretch my imagination into the cool blue depths of it. We would both go down water slides and we would play with Lego until we were tired. We would laugh until we cried and do anything just to know we could say we at least tried. She couldn't have children, so she had me instead. I love my best friend, even in her death. I was 13 when she left. So please forgive me if I've wept. I'm just glad that Lorraine's are hard to forget. Forever in my heart and in my head, every time our name is said. It's one of my favourite love poems. I love hmm? this po- It's one of my favourite love poems. It's so wonderful. I love how okay. it's it's like not about romantic love. Yeah. But... There's so many emotions in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's very special. Yeah, it's it's really nice, you know, like you say, you can kind of carry on her memory with your own name, and yeah, it's it's interesting where you point out, you know, you you wonder what she would think of you today, and yeah. it's interesting you put in the poem, you know, maybe you know maybe she would, she wouldn't like appreciate, you know, even entertaining. The idea of that in the poem is like a bold step, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. personally, I don't think that she'd quite like my tattoos or my piercings <laughs> and my, and things. I don't think she'd mind my wacky hair colours, but I doubt she'd be interested in my tattoos and piercings at all. And I do sometimes think to myself, it'd be interesting to know what she thought about that and whether or not, because... She was quite an out and like a eccentric person herself. So part of me is like, oh, maybe she'd be really like into how quirky a look or whatever. And sometimes I wonder, like, would she be annoyed with me for getting these things done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but either way, I think she, I think she'd just be pleased with how I am as a person. Yeah. yeah that's a that's a great note to end on. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you uh, so much for having me. Really thank wonderful you. Wonderful talking to you and hearing you, hearing you speak the words yourself from your poetry collection. We've been enjoying the collection a lot, and there's a lot, a lot of poems much. in this collection as well. Yeah, yeah. there is. There's, I think I believe it's seven. Let me check. One second. Yeah, seventy-two pages of mm. my soul in there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The, the, green, the yeah. green really le- leapt out. The green really leapt out of the shelf as yeah, well. Did you have green yeah. hair at the time? So it's it's been from bright yellow to like a neon green for quite a long time. Um, but yeah, it's it's more yellow at the moment. So get yourself a, a copy of Fuming mm-hmm. and uh, we can hear more about you on your Instagram at law.thepoet. Any other socials that you're on? Yeah, so when you spell LOL as well, it's L-O-L-L. Um, I do have a TikTok that is very new, so I'm very, 
and very yeah, how you do them with that uh, i just i've just <laughs> been i've just been putting my poems up but i don't understand how to use it i'm 33 and i'm new on tiktok right so i don't <laughs> understand um and i've got a twitter and i'm very new to that but now with it with with who it's uh, under now under new ownership I don't. I doubt I'll be carrying on using Twitter, so mm. I'm, I'm quite I'm quite a sort of political person, and I don't agree with certain stuff, right? Yeah, so sure. Twitter's there, but I've just stopped using it really. I've got Instagram. I'm I'm mainly more active on Instagram, and I've got a TikTok. I would appreciate all of the help that anyone can give me on TikTok. Mm. Please send me all TikTok of your tips. Yeah. I imagine TikTok would be quite a good medium for poets, actually. You know, it's doing great. Quick, like quick snap performances. Yeah, but there's, great, not, but there's not that many poets on there, like UK poets at least. And yeah, we're, we're on Instagram as well, at Poetry to Your Ears. And uh, yeah, follow us. We don't have any followers yeah. on TikTok, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, uh, I think I'm missing a trick somewhere. There's something that someone's doing, maybe a certain time you need to post at night. And if anyone knows these things, my inbox is open <laughs> for all of the tips. Thank you very much. This is on a postcard. Lovely. Yeah, please. Well, thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, love. Thank Thank you for listening to Poetry to Your Ears. This podcast is published as a newsletter on Substack. All of our content is published for free, but if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us afford transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetry to your ears on Instagram and at poetry to number two your ears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.